0: Welcome to Life Point today. Thanks for being here. We're in this series called The Story, and we've been looking at how God really is willing to do anything to pursue the hearts of people. And one of the things that we found out that God really specializes in is giving people a new beginning, letting them make a fresh start, letting them start over again. You know, around my house something is happening that's never happened before. We're getting ready to send a child off to college in the fall, and I'm sure there's going to be sleepless nights and separation anxiety and all that stuff that I'm sure is going to happen because of that, but in a really positive way. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It makes me go back and remember when that was going on in my life and I was getting to make this new start in a new town and a new place and new people. That's what we're going to talk about today, what it really looks like to make a fresh start and how God gives that chance to people over and over and over again. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. Just raise your hand, the ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep or you can borrow it. All the scriptures I read are also displayed on the screen and you can follow along that way as well. Well, in this series, The Story, we have gone from the beginning of time through, uh, through all the kings of the nation of Israel, through the time of Christ, and last week we talked about Jesus' resurrection, and now we're getting ready to look at a section of Scripture that to me is one of the most exciting sections of all, in all the Bible. It's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is it's the fifth book in the New Testament, and it's the book that talks about how the church began, how people started to spread the message of Christ. One of the interesting things about the book of Acts, it's written by a person named Luke, and he covers the first 30 years of the church. And Luke was not in the original group of people who followed Jesus. He found out about Jesus much the way we have. Somebody told him, and then he set about to write down and interview people, and write down the account of what happened. So the book of Acts would be like opening up a newspaper that we found from the first century, and reading it and saying, oh, this happened, and and that's going on, and this is happening. So that's what's happening in the book of Acts. It starts out talking about how for 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, that he met with his disciples to show them, and he appeared to many people so they would have no doubt that God did exactly what he said he would do. That he brought Jesus back from the grave. And Jesus had some very specific teaching that he wanted to share while he was in these last few hours on earth. If you've ever had anyone close to you die, and I've had family that has passed away, friends that have passed away, and I remember some of the last words that they said to me. So what I want to read today are the last words recorded that Jesus said to his followers. They're in the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. He says to his disciples as he's having this conversation with them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has this group of people here, and he's saying two things are going to happen. One, because they're asking him, is this the time you're going to restore our nation to power? And they still don't quite get what's going on. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to leave, and I'm going to send something better than me. Better than Jesus? How? What he meant was better than me on earth, because Jesus was in a body, so he could only be one place at a time, and, and earlier he had told them, I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit is going to live in the hearts of people, and when I send him the Holy Spirit, you will have power to do things you normally couldn't do. People who follow Christ and receive his Holy Spirit have power to do things and get through things and deal with things they couldn't do without His spirit. So he says, You're going to have extra power when my spirit comes upon you. And then he says, Because I want you to tell people about me, I want you to be my witnesses. And he gives them a very specific formula for being his witnesses. He says, In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's not just haphazardly throwing out geographic locations. They would have understood, be Jesus' witness in Jerusalem. Well, that meant the people around them, their family, the people they grew up with, the people they live with. Tell your fellow Jews about me, the fact that I rose from the dead. Go tell people about me immediately around you. Then he says, go to Judea. And Judea would have represented the people they did life with. For us, it would be like the people we work with, the people we pass in the grocery store, the people we go to school with, the people we hang out with. Judea just would have been the people we kind of interact with on a daily basis. May not be our family, may not be people very close to us, but it's people we interact with. He's saying, be my witness there. So your family, people around you, and then he says Samaria. This gets a little harder here because Jews hated Samaritans. As we found out earlier in this series, Jewish people hated Samaritans because they viewed them as half-breeds, not real Jews, although most Samaritans did worship the same God they did, but they didn't view them as a real Jew. And so Jesus is saying, be my witnesses to people that you don't even like. If you don't like them, big deal, be my witness. And then he says to the ends of the earth, be my witness to people you don't even know. That's what we call the Acts 1-8 vision. That's Jesus' vision of the church and how people who follow him act and react. And he promises his Holy Spirit and he asks us to be witnesses. This was the best marketing plan ever. I mean, when a product, if you work in marketing, when a product is going to go to market... Well, you do have to advertise and print ads, internet ads, TV commercials, or whatever the budget allows, and you need to advertise, but what's the best advertisement you could possibly have? Satisfied customers. People who like what you offer, and so they go out and tell other people about it. Hasn't Apple, like, capitalized on that like no one else? Like, if you you think that Apple makes your life better, you think, well, your life would be better too. You think, well, you dummy, how in the world could you not live in the apple world how do you, how do you go through life without apple products in your pocket and on your desk and in your backpack how do you do that they've created an army of marketers because people love their products and so they'll camp out stay overnight in order to get the newest thing that if you just waited 2 weeks you could just walk in and get one but they've created this great army of marketers that tell people and we don't get paid for that it just happens If you you probably have heard of Amway, maybe there's some Amway salespeople in here, but the big thing about Amway is not just selling products, it's getting people to go sell products under you. And then they get people to get, that's how how you make money. That's multi-level marketing, nothing evil about that. But Jesus thought of all that. Those aren't new ideas. He said, go take what you've seen and experienced and tell other people about it. Now, if you think about it, it wouldn't have been that big of a, that hard of a thing for people to do who witnessed him raising from the dead. If your Aunt Edna died and you show up at her funeral and she's not in the casket, and she's sitting there and saying, what are y'all doing here? You probably tell somebody about it. You would probably go out and say, you are not going to believe it. Aunt Edna died, but then she got up again. She rose from the dead. You would set about to tell people about it. So that's what Jesus is saying. Go be my witness. And when people make a decision that they're going to follow Christ, they don't decide, am I going to be a witness for Christ or not? I mean, the, 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 the verdict is, am I a good one or a bad one? Because if you're a follower of Christ, you are automatically, you receive his Holy Spirit and he wants us to be witnesses. So the book of Acts is just the story of, of how people lived out this Acts 1-8 vision. And if you follow Christ, you are the result of somebody in that group of 11 that day who got really serious about sharing their faith and being a witness, and they told somebody, and they told somebody, and they told somebody. You ever do Ancestry.com, find out where you came from? My, my brother-in-law did that for our family. We went way, way, way back. And you know what we found out? We found out that we are related to nobody significant <laughs> at all. But we can look back and see where all of our family came from and the countries they came from, which was a bunch of different countries. If you could trace back your spiritual family tree Think about the person that told you about Jesus or invited you to church. Then somebody told them, and somebody told them, and if you keep going back and back and back, you're going to end up on this day, 2,000 years ago, when people said, yes, I will go be a witness. And so the rest of the Bible, pretty much, is about people going around doing exactly what Jesus said to do. And it gives us a picture of what it looks like to live this Acts 1-8 vision. So we pick it up in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. So it's 50 days after Passover, which was the weekend that Jesus was crucified. And some of the Jewish people would have still been in Jerusalem. Some would have come back. For this day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. So here are all these Jewish people, and Peter, remembering what Jesus said, be my witness in Jerusalem, says, well, here they are, let's get it rolling. And so he starts, and he starts to talk about what's going on. And God's Holy Spirit comes upon them, and it's like Hollywood special effects. And they're seeing all this stuff going, what is happening? They're speaking our language and, and, and we don't understand. How is, this, how is this possible? And so it goes on to say this. These people are from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are and we all hear these people speaking our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. So some people were saying, something big and significant is happening here. And other people were saying, they've been drinking. They've just had a rough night on the town, and they're just jibber-jabbering about something. But others were saying, no, 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 this is, we're hearing our language. Now, everybody there would have spoken Greek, but, but here are these People from Galilee, and they're amazed that people from Galilee are speaking their language because they would have known they were from Galilee. It's like, do you ever meet anybody, there's not a lot of them that like really grew up in Raleigh, like grew up here. Like they're from here. They're not transplants like most of us. I mean, they do speak differently, right? There's a little bit different, like a deep Southern accent. You hear that come through. And, and so that's what these people were hearing. They were hearing these Galileans speak in their language, but they still had the Galilean accent, And so it it made them think, what is going on? Why is this happening? See, if the message of Christ was going to be spread around the world, some barriers had to be broken down. Because they had the Galilean people were country people, and then there was the city people, and they didn't interact a lot. Uh, The Galilean people would have been blue-collar workers who became fishermen or tradesmen of some kind. The other people would have been more the educated group, and they didn't really interact with each other very much, even though they were Jewish And actually, one group would have looked down upon the other group. And so if they're going to spread this message, they have to have unity. And so something has to happen in order for them to be able to work together to get this message to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Spirit of God shows up, and these barriers start coming down. All of a sudden, these people, well, they don't know many languages because they're just fishermen. They're not going to know much. But all of a sudden, they start to speak in their language they can understand, and they're doing it with an accent that they don't get, and so they're amazed. And what used to be a wall buildup up between them starts to come down. If you insert the Spirit of God into any situation where there are barriers, barriers will start to come down. Barriers aren't built up because you put the Spirit of God into a relationship. Barriers are broken down. If you're having difficulty at home and there's just this going on all the time, what would it look like if one of you began to speak with the Spirit of God? If you've got relational issues in your life, people you have conflict with, what would it look like if you inserted the Spirit of God into that relationship? If you've got a bad attitude towards a person or your job or, or, or some other situation and you insert the Spirit of God in that, those barriers will start to come down. And things will be different. That's what happened on this day. Barriers started to come down because they heard people speaking in their language. So they, it made them want to listen. It made them want to hear what was being said. And with these barriers broken down, one of Jesus' disciples named Peter stands up and says this in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And then he goes on to say, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So now he's got their attention. The Spirit of God has broken down these barriers. Now he's gotten their attention because he met them right where they were and he's quoting them and he quotes a lot of Old Testament scriptures. If you read the whole chapter in Acts 2, he talks to them about a bunch of different stuff that meets them at their level, right where they are. They would have known the Old Testament Scriptures. And so that's what he quotes to them. So thousands of people are in Jerusalem for this day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit shows up. Walls are broken down. He speaks to them in a language they understand. That tells me that God's timing is perfect. That whatever timing you think you might be working out, God's timing is perfect. You may have been thinking you were going to do many other things today, but for some reason you're here. And I believe for some of you, you're here specifically because God wanted you to be here. Because there's something He wants you to hear. And He wants you to do. And He wants you to understand. Because He wants you to have that new beginning and that fresh start. So Peter starts right there and he tells him the story of Jesus, and his life, and his ministry. God's done everything to get the attention of these people, and then Peter starts to share with them the gospel. And he starts like this. So he starts, and then he ends up like this, saying, therefore, after he told them the whole story of Jesus, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ, then it hits them. Then it just totally just comes upon them that Jesus was the Messiah. And they realize that they're separated from God. If you're a follower of Christ, you might remember that day when either somebody's reading scriptures to you, you're hearing a message, you're just alone, and you realize, I am disconnected from God. And the way it made you feel. And the desperation you may have felt. And so here's what happens when they are hit with that fact. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What they're saying is, we want to change. And throughout the book of Acts, there's person after person saying, what do I need to do? How do I get in on this? People have said that to me many times. How do I get that? What you were just talking about, how do I get that? How do I get that in my life? If you've experienced that, saying, what do I need to do? And that sudden realization that you need to change, Peter responded to them with these words when they said, what do we do? Our heart hurts. We realize we're disconnected from God. What needs to happen? And it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. They wanted to know, how do we get right with God? And Peter said, there's a couple things you need to experience. One, you need to repent. In other words, you need to change your direction. That's what repentance means. You need, you're going in this direction, you need to change and go in another direction. Doing that means you're accepting the message of Christ and you're no longer walking away from God, you're walking towards God. That's now the new direction for your life. And he's saying, repent. Change the way you live. Accept this message. And he says, then what I want you to do is be baptized. Now to them, baptism would not have been a hard-to-understand concept. Because in the Jewish culture, they would have had baptisms. They would have called them mikvahs was their word for it. And anytime somebody wanted to make a fresh start and they made this commitment that they were going to make a fresh start or they were going to be adopted into a family, they would have this big pool of water, much like we have right back here behind me, And they would have steps down one side and steps up the other side. And people would walk in, they'd be lowered into the water, and they would raise up and they would walk out the other side to symbolically show whatever's back there I'm leaving behind and I'm starting something new. They would have understand how baptism symbolized a brand new start, a whole new beginning. To them, they were hearing, I'm on the outside of this movement of God that's beginning and this is how I get in on it. I need to change my ways, I need to turn and walk in a new direction, and I need to follow Christ in baptism, this ceremony that shows outwardly what's taking place in my heart, and then I've accepted this message, and he never said there was magical powers in the water, he just said, look, here's what you need to do, and they would have understood, yes, that's how you show that you've made a new start. Repentance means just turn and walk in a new direction. And baptism is a symbol of that commitment, of that new direction. You've said, I'm going to walk towards Christ now. My life is now going to be different. it's, it's It's not a lot different than saying, hey, you know what this means right here on my finger? This means I'm off the market, one thing. It means that I made a commitment to my wife in 1992 that I wanted to be married to her for all of life. And when a man and a woman come together to to make that commitment in that ceremony and exchange rings, we're not married because I put this ring on my finger. We're married because of a commitment that I made to my wife. Now, what if I had said way back in 1991 before I proposed to her and gave her an engagement ring, and I said, you know, let's just date. I think dating's fine. We don't need to go through this whole marriage, marriage thing. Why do we want to do that? Let's just keep dating. I love you. You love me. What do we need marriage for? I don't think she would still be with me today if I would have just said, let's just date. Don't doubt my love for you because I won't exchange rings and commit my life to you. And show people outwardly what I believe inside? Don't doubt that. I think she would have said, oh yes, I do doubt it very, very much. I doubt it. I would have said the same thing. I want, I want to see commitment. I want to hear these words spoken. I want to see a symbol. And so those of us who are married, we have on a ring. And I could take this ring and stick it on the finger of every single person in this room. It would not make you married. It takes a lot more than a gold band around a finger to make somebody married. It takes the commitment behind it. And it takes a whole lot more than getting dunked in the water to save somebody. But it sure does represent the old life is gone and the new life has come and a person accepting the message of Christ. And obviously this whole message is leading up. There's already people that we know that are going to follow Christ in baptism in just a minute. Everybody's going to get to see that in just a minute. But there's some of you who haven't made that decision. And we've made a lot of preparation so you can make that decision today. You've heard about how God's Spirit breaks down barriers. You've heard about how God's Spirit gives you power to do things you couldn't do on your own. You heard what it means to repent. You heard what it means to be baptized. And yet some of you are still sitting there saying, I don't know, maybe someday I'll do that. My mom's not here, my dad's not here. My, my... I'd really like to have grandma and grandpa here. That, I'd like to wait, I'd like to wait and do that. Or y'all do that about once a month or we do it anytime. If it's Tuesday at 3 o'clock, if you want to come be baptized, we'll do it then. And you're just saying, well, well someday, someday I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll make sure that happens. Someday. Someday is not a really good plan. If, if it's the right thing to do someday, then it's the right thing to do today if you're thinking someday i'm going to do that then it's the right thing to do today nobody that day was saying when peter said repent and be baptized i don't think people are around going well should i should i, I don't know should i well, should we wait maybe this is not the best time to do it maybe we should wait till another time there's a lot of people around here and i feel really embarrassed i'll get wet my hair gets all messed up I doubt people are having those conversations. Because here are the next words that Luke records in Acts 2, verse 41, after Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he tells him this promise. And then in verse 41, it says this, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people. 3,000 people said, I'm not gonna wait anymore. 3,000 people said, I need that. I need some barriers broken down in my life. 3,000 people said, I need to leave the old behind and start new. 3,000 people said, I do need to turn it around. 3,000 people heard the gospel. And the gospel is that because of Christ and His sacrifice and, and, and the fact He rose from the dead, our sins can be forgiven. Our mistakes can be completely erased. And we can start again. We can not just start again. We can start everything all over. We can come to Christ and we don't have to live in guilt. We no longer have to live in fear. All because of His death, burial, and resurrection. We can receive that same Holy Spirit that enabled these people that day to do things they normally could never do. I've watched people who are followers of Christ get through things in life that there is no other way they could have gotten through it without the Spirit of God living inside of them. And that's what is offered to you today. Those of you that are, you already know you're getting baptized, it's time to go to the back, but but the band's going to play. They're going to play a song and there's going to be some video baptisms up on the screen and And I just want you to think, why am I waiting to do that? Why am I waiting to turn and walk in a new direction and express my faith? Why do I keep dating Jesus? Let's go through with the ceremony. Let's show the world that I believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and I want to be in that relationship with Him. Many of you have already done that. If you're feeling like, I did that, but I, do I need to do it again? If you followed Christ in baptism, knowing that that's what you were doing, was following Christ in baptism, you don't need to do that again. But you still might need to sit right there at your seat and say, I need to make a fresh start. And that's really easy to do. You can check that on the back of your WhatsApp card about a relationship with Christ, and, and we'll get in touch with you. And, or you can just pray right there as this song plays make that decision. So as you watch the screen, as you let God speak to your hearts through what I've said today, in the moment you feel like, you know, I'm not going to wait anymore. Just go back through the back door. Somebody's waiting back there on you. We've removed every obstacle. Your clothes will not even have to get wet. We've got all that for you. And anything you go, oh, I really need that. I guarantee we've already got it in the back. So all you have to do is go back there, meet the folks that want to talk to you, and we can help you make a fresh start, have a new beginning, because you need it.